say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Salutations, Mets fans. Welcome to another edition of For All You Kids Out There, a Mets-adjacent baseball perspectives podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. And with me, once again, is the man who, eh, 36 hours ago or so, a little more than that, said he was absolutely not doing a podcast when the Mets lost on Sunday. You might think that means the Mets won, Jared, but they did not. We're not doing a podcast on Sunday. Jeffrey, we're here to talk about episode seven of House of the Dragon, Drift Mark. What do you think? Great. Jared said he had a joke to open. <laughs> I can't tell if this, if this is the actual joke or if he just wants to do the entire show about this. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. Right? It is, yeah. I assume you saw the at least. Uh, I assume the controversy over the lighting like penetrated your timeline. I was trying to stay off Twitter last night, Jarrett. So not as okay. such. They um, so they did actually a worse version of the same thing they had done in a couple of the episodes in the main show, which was that there were about 15 minutes worth of scenes that were just too dark for anybody that didn't have like a $4,000 OLED TV to actually make out what was going on. Yeah. Everything's, everything's too dark and no one can do sound design anymore. I'm aware of this. Yeah. But this was like worse than even yeah, yeah. like the normal, like you could, I was able, I, I have a decent TV. I don't have a great TV. I have a decent TV. It's, it's you know, the main living room TV, but I have it tuned really well. So I was able to, you know, at least kind of see what was going on. But if you were watching this on, like, a computer monitor or something, you had no chance. It was right. just basically 15 minutes on black screen. Speaking of no chance, uh, the Mets are not going to win the division, Jarrett. Uh, well, Buck Showalter gave quotes today indicating he still thinks they have a decent shot to win the division. I have no idea how. I mean... Um, the so yeah, this, this I was guessing this, this this was a in some ways this was a worse series I think than the ending series in '07 and '08 because at least in those in both of those games you had the big Saturday win mm-hmm. and they just got their fucking asses kicked in all three games. Well, th- they didn't they is got, the they thing. Got much, they got swept by a much better baseball team. They but they didn't get their asses kicked. Is it? Is the thing like they were that like the actual most depressing part of this series is these games were all relatively close. The Mets had leads in all of them, and then like after the fourth inning, it was just very lifeless. I mean, they got um, what nine, three, four, and a third, seven and a third. Like, actually, I'm miscounting because they only pitched. They only had to pitch eight innings in all these games. Uh, two, five, and a third. They had like 11 innings out of that bullpen, and only two-thirds of them were thrown by Edwin Diaz, and they were pretty good. They The pen, the pen kept I, them in these games. They just never really looked like scoring. 
Um, this is an epic choke job by Buckshow Authors manager. Buckshow Authors should be fired. I don't hear. Yeah, um, here we for, go. For letting Chris, for letting Chris Bassett pitch um, after he lost Olsen with the bases loaded. Um, that was that's fireable. That is a fireable. Um, I don't care if you're going. I I would have went out of Vino there. He had May up. He had May hot. Um, he could have gotten May in there and given him a chance to get him out of the innings. And instead, he went back to give up the lead. That's fireable. Um, Bassett had nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, I don't even think, like, so um, this was not a good Buck Showalter tactical series, to be clear. But also, like, no, they scored. He got, scored, they, hey, he, got, he, got, he, got he got pants by fucking Brian Snicker. They also people. scored seven runs, so I don't know what, it, what, you, what you really do there. You yeah, got, he, he had, they scored seven runs, and their best three pitchers all got knocked chances. around a little bit. He had chances to keep these games close. Yes. He had chances to keep his team in games. And every single time he chose to give his starting pitcher a long, long, long rope because he does not believe in taking pitchers out when they've only given up a couple of runs and solved the lead. That's it. That's it. That is a 1997 baseball mentality. And you know what? It's 2022. He needs to go. Yep. Um, there's no two, there's no two ways around that. He's not going to. No, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, outside yeah. of them, outside of them getting swept by the Padres, I shouldn't say. Um, if he, if they lose that series to the Padres, I think you're going to see some discussions. Yeah, um, I just don't like. So my thing with this is just, I get what you're saying. This is just, this is this is organizational process failure from top to bottom. But also just immediately which, changing like. If you thought this was the guy in whenever it was, December, January, and they win 100 games, like... This was, a, this was an ownership level hire by a novice level, by a novice owner that likes how he looks in a uniform and saw him on Seinfeld. That's what this was. Yeah, and they won 100 games. Like, your manager doesn't get fired. As you said, he's going to win manager of the year and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Yeah, I, again, I, I think if they get if they get knocked out by the Padres, I think we're going to be having some discussions because then all of a sudden you went from a position where two weeks ago it looked like you were cruising into the NLCS, and then all of a sudden, and Showalter has two reputations as a manager on the negative side. One is he can't win the big game, and two is he doesn't know when to change pitchers. Like those are the right. Buck Showalter. That that's like. We're playing to typecast here, you know. The enduring image of Buck Showalter as a Baltimore Orioles manager is Zach Britton standing in the bullpen flipping the ball in his hand, right? Yep. Uh, you know, and he's the manager who got fired from two consecutive teams and they won the World Series the next year. So, like, the idea, you know, I... You need a manager who understands, and again, I like Buck Solalter. He seems like a really fun, nice, and swell guy. We said at the time of his hiring that he needed to, this team was going to face big spots, and he needed to show he was capable of basic baseball strategy in big spots. And basic baseball strategy now means when your starting pitcher can't hit the fucking broadside of a bar and has lost these down a couple picks, you still have the lead, and he just walked in a run. You go fucking yank him. Like, that's, that's just basic now. The same thing the night before. 
Max Scherzer starting that sixth inning, there are less than five managers in the majors that would have sent Scherzer out there for that. Buck Walters won him. And this is this was a failure of management. This was a failure of roster construction. Um, they overvalued the wrong prospects, not just in terms of who they decided to trade, but the promotion of Mark Vienna. Jeffrey, both of us knew this was going to happen to Mark Vienna and to us. Sure. We talked about it on the podcast. We talked about it for two months when everybody in Metzler was clamoring. Mark Vientos, Mark Vientos. There is, there is no hitter in the major leagues who has Mark Vientos' swing decisions and batted ball profile from triple A that is a successful, decent hitter. And those are things that get worse in the jump from triple A to majors, not better. I was looking they at, like... This kid in, they stuck this kid in the pennant race with no chance to succeed. None. He had no chance. The only chance he had was Voros's law that this was only that even if he had succeeded, that even if he had gotten as many at bats as he could have, it would have been 40 and 50 at bats. But he had no chance on talent to succeed. They put him in a position to fail. They couldn't put Francisco Alvarez in position to succeed by calling him up earlier and instead waited until the literal last meaningful series of this season to call him up and hit him against one of the five best pitchers in the National League. On Friday, they had to do that, but they could have averted it at any point in the three months before that. And that's not a first guess. We've been talking about this since fucking May. I mean, I wrote an article about it literally April 12th at Baseball Perspectives. So... And then I, I was looking over today the old Billy Epler deadline quote. Um, Linda from Amazing Avenue retweeted one of them about how you don't rob a, a 0.5%, 1.5% cumulative chance from the future to take a 1% cumulative chance now. That's not fucking how this works. It's just not because you know the 1% chance exists. You don't know about the 1.5% chance. You knew that the games from now until the end of the season, again, now being August 2nd, until the end of the season were going to be so much more higher leverage than games in April 2026. You know that because you're, you have that information. That is a Sabre 2.0 mindset that good general managers and good front offices realized was dumb 10 years ago. So instead, they got they traded Carson Seymour, who was not quote one of their top nineteen prospects, which is horseshit. He would have been eighth, ninth, or tenth in the Mets system. That is bad internal evaluation by a team that has never been able to internally evaluate their prospects with any kind of clarity because they're there's you know who oh, we, we drafted this guy. He must be good. <laughs> You know, and, and here we are, and they're playing the fucking Padres in the wild card series. It might be the Phillies, That's which would gonna, not be fun. None of these are going to be fun. These are teams with roughly as talented lineups yeah. and really good we, two or three pitchers. We are no longer having fun. <laughs> no, we are no longer having fun here. You are not, you know... <laughs> 
You think Juan Soto's true talent level is the two months as a Padre or the four years before that? He might be banged up, but yeah, I get your point. You better fucking hope it's a two months as a Padre, because if it ain't, the Padre's got a better lineup than Mets, though. (sighs) Anyway, we'll do a proper playoff preview when we actually know who they're playing. This was was embarrassing. (laughs) This team had... This team needed to win one game to be 65 or 70% favorites. Two games is 95% favorites. They were probably 90% to win one of the games in that series. And they came out flat, and the manager did nothing, and every hole that the general manager sort of fixed at the deadline came back and played him in the ass. That's an embarrassment. Yeah, they, they're going to win 98, 99, 100 games. I have no idea if any of these games are getting played this weekend. We're currently, if you hear weird noise in the background, we're currently getting walloped by the remnants of Hurricane Ian, which is spun off into a nor'easter, which is just dumping water on this entire area. It's sunny in 75, very low humidity out here in Salt Lake City. Uh, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure it is. Um, you know, they they had a very good team. This is not an epic choke job in terms of the season. They still won high 90s, low 100 so the, games. Uh, They're still going to make the playoffs. This fucking this might have been the worst three-game series in my lifetime as a Mets fan. There's probably actually a worse series we can find in Atlanta. but <laughs> uh, No, but it, it's like... This, this, this was a situation where all they, they did win one of three games to have a bye in the playoffs and they came out and they looked flat and the manager blew two of the games. I don't think they choked per se, but there is a soccer term that works here. They bottled it, right? Yeah. This, this is, this, again, I don't, these are professional athletes. I don't think the bat got tight in Pete Alonso's hands. You know, maybe Francisco Alvarez, because that's like a really weird special circumstance, but you also yeah. can't blame him for that. He was put in a position to not succeed. Yeah. You know, I don't think Max Scherzer failed to live up to the pressure. I think Max Scherzer's oblique still fucking hurt. Max Scherzer's pretty much said his oblique still fucking hurt. <laughs> yeah, like, and that's, you know... You're trying to snap off and finish that glove side, glove side slider. You know, your left oblique hurting is going to be a problem. Yeah. And, you know, Chris Bassett's a good pitcher. He's not a great pitcher. Good pitchers sometimes have outings like this against good teams. They sometimes have outings like this against bad teams, too. Yeah, he's they had a few games. Like, like he, you can find three or four stars that Bassett had this year that broadly, they were generally a little more. Uh, home run issue than control issue, but yeah, look, that's not an argument. They around. they need to re-sign Chris Bassett. He's probably going to give him a 3.25 ERA again next year. So DeGrom has looked injured for three or four starts now. They have finally admitted, you know, I will take them at face value that the blister is the main injury here, but, you know, guys have a lot of arm problems in the not-too-distant past. Um... And, you know, his fastball velocity has been down a little. His feel for his slider has not been there in past several starts. And he doesn't really throw stands up anymore. So, I, you know, 
I again, I don't think this is a, you know, I I don't want this to sound like WFAN. We are not saying this is a psychological failure of the Mets or of Buck Showalter or of any of the players in particular. I am upset because this was a foreseeable process failure. They had bad process and ended up with bad results at the end of the day because of their bad process. This is not what happens to good process teams. And look, like would any of this shit have happened to the Dodgers or the Rays or the Guardians or hell the Yankees? No. I mean, the, Yankee, the Yankees tried their best, but they also had, like, you know, I would say the Mets had probably average injury luck this year. The, the Yankees, Yankees was far worse than not, that. The Yankees, the Yankees were not in a real pennant race this year. Correctly assessed, they were not in a real pennant race and traded a good starting pitcher for an injured center fielder. If anything, they did... That was that was good process, terrible result in full of matter. Sure. Like I mean the Raids could know. have made it a race, but never actually played out that way. They're gonna win the division by seven or eight games. I know. Like it was never what happened. the Mets were the Mets were very clearly in a Right, by the time the deadline came around they were like three or so games up or whatever. They were very clearly in a very high stakes race and they chose to play it like they were fiddling around the edges and it really didn't matter and for some reason they decided to pay a huge price for Darren Ruff we said this at the time of the trade if you're gonna overpay for a player like that you better fucking be right not only were they not right they were completely they, they were so far from you know they traded for a shot player and the instead of and the Giants immediately fixed JD Davis. Yeah. And, and I guarantee and I guarantee you when I pull on background Carson Seymour's trackman data, I guarantee you he's throwing more sliders at the end of the season than he was throwing in that season. And sure. I guarantee you that's why they traded for him too. Do you see what they fucking did with Shelby Miller? Yeah, I mean, Did look. You paid any attention to that one? Shelby Miller, who has a great analytic slider that he's never thrown more than like five percent of the time, is now throwing like sixty percent sliders out of the Giants bullpen and has struck out like seventy percent of the batters he's faced in the town. Uh, Shelby yeah. Miller. And like, look, I don't. And whatever, trade Thomas Tapucky, but the Giants tried Thomas Tapucky as a reliever, which is something the Mets. Never really did, and you might be an okay lefty reliever for a couple of years. Yeah, you know, Zwack's an okay prospect. Sure, why not? And J.D. Davis is a better fucking hitter than Darren Ruff. Apparently. But they got the they got the cost control of Darren Ruff's 2023. Well, we're just playing the hits now. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, but the hits are what happened here, right? <laughs> like, this is... This is what happened. This is, they, they declined to... I, look, I fucking know the Cubs were asking an arm and a leg for Wilson Contreras, just like they were asking an arm and a leg for Ian Happ, just like they were asking an arm and a leg for Scott Efros, just like they were asking an arm and a leg for every single person on their team. One team pays that price for Scott Efros, and Scott Efros is probably down on the closing for the Yankees with everybody hurt. 
And the Mets decided to run out James McCann, 60% playing time at catcher the rest of the, rest of the way. Can we just note that they... God. Did you see that gift yesterday for James McCann? Yes, I did. Obviously calling his signs and Acuna was relaying them back from second base. Yes, I, I was on Twitter for that, yes. He's, yeah, he's been doing that all year, you know. Yeah, and know. their signs have been getting stolen all year when he's behind the plate. You know that, right? Of course you know that. And they pinch hit. The, the, the thing for me is they pinch hit for him with Tomas Nito in a big spot. Day game after night game. Why the fuck didn't you know to start that game? Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, but once you're doing that, like just eat the money. Like just eat the money. If you if you're at that point, it was against a righty too. I'm pretty sure. My 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 expectation is that he will be sent to Mandyville in the off season. I think it's going to be a trade, not a release. Sure, whatever. But. You know, I, I, my certainly my expectation is that Alvarez and Nito is the catching tandem for next year. Um, I, Billy Upler's not the guy to run this baseball operation. Wow, we're just we're just. I don't, uh... know, I don't I don't know who is. You know, there's obvious. You know, there's obvious names out there. You know, I suspect this going to be another, like, yeah, another off-season you know, of rumors of the same guys that have been rumored for that job, minus Scott Harris, who took a different one. Yeah, you know, John Hammond's been pushing David Stearns for months. Um, there is discussion, which Ken Rosenthal reported on this past week, that Click in Houston made part ways. Um you know, Epstein's still out there. But we're now two years into a president of baseball operations search talking about the same guys and the Mets having blown two consecutive trade deadlines in, like, spectacularly bad fashion both times. Um, I mean, you've been... We've been doing feedback for the 101. Peter Armstrong's stock is back up again from where it was in mid-season. Peter Armstrong's going to be top 20, 25 prospects on the 101, most likely. Um, and then they were so afraid because they traded Peter Armstrong that they wouldn't trade anybody at the deadline except for Carson Seymour, who they decided was the 20th best prospect instead of their 8th or ninth. It is funny to me that we... When you, like, that when you say top 19, you're basically saying he's a 20th prospect. Yeah. Like, just say top 20. And then people, I mean, or you'd still be wrong, but, like, people can assume. Just not. Or don't trade Carson Seymour, yeah. But. Like, don't. Jerry Jones did this after the NFL draft this past year, where he, like, went out and, like, waved around his, like, draft sheet to, like, tell everybody how great he had done. And, like,. Yeah, of course you think you did great. It's your own draft sheet. This is the old uh, Paul DePodesta quote, Gavin Cicchini was number one on our board. <laughs> right. Like, of course you think you didn't trade any of your good prospects. The problem is a much smarter team than you won big pitchers out of your system that you didn't think were good. So something that has been a problem for the Mets for like a decade now, and they never take a step back and go, 
wait a minute, why are these smart teams all telling us about Carson Seymour? We don't think Carson Seymour is good. Oh, well, they must have just saw a good start of them. This is like the... They never actually ended up trading him, but I feel like the Brewers and Astros were interested in Seth Lugo like four consecutive off seasons or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I look, I, I don't know this for sure. I've never been directly told this by somebody in the Mets system. I certainly expect that the Mets thought Carson Seymour was a reliever. Yeah, I mean he might be. I think he might be, but yeah. I also think that's a terrible failure of imagination among sure. other things. You know, teams are going to have to start looking at how Spencer Strider and Shane McClanahan have been deployed and stop saying every time this guy doesn't have a average project changeup in the A-ball that he's definitely a reliever. Because that's not how things are going anymore. And the Giants, the team that traded for Carson Zimor, is on, or they're on the cutting edge of throw your breaking ball as much as possible. It's a real good article about Jake Junis on Fangraphs a couple of weeks ago about this. So, you know, here we are. and Here we are. The Mets and Jeff Passan made this point in a tweet. Um, not only is the problem that you now have to win two of three against the Padres and the Phillies or whomever, but you are now, if you win that, you are facing the Dodgers in a five-game series or you are probably going to have to throw time on the locker twice. Or Carlos Carrasco, if you prefer. Because DeGrom and Scherzer are both not going to be on rotation to throw two games in that series. Good luck! Have fun. I think you'd rather face the Dodgers in a five-game series and a seven-game series, but you'd rather have the you know 33 percent 33 percent chance the dodgers lose in the nlc nlds to someone instead right, and yeah. you'd also you also want a chance to get four starts from degrom and scherzer instead of two four seven instead of two or two or five right not insignificant handicap especially when your pitching quality is so stratified um you know Gonsolin looks like he's going to be back for the NLDS, but he might I mean, not be stretched out. Yeah, I mean, he's going to start. Stuff in May, same situation. So they're going to be a little bit. Of, but hey, Tyler Anderson, who the two of us have been saying that the Mets should acquire for a year and a half, is going to get Cy Young votes this year. And I don't think the Mets would have done this with Tyler Anderson, but. No, of course they wouldn't have, but. He'd be throwing his change up like 18% of the time or yeah, something and only against righties yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Anderson went from throwing his change of 25% of the time to 32% of the time, and his whiff rate went from 29% to 37%. Yeah, that, that, all, that all sounds great. That all sounds great. It went from a, a minus four run value in 2021 to a plus 15. I mean, it's it's four and minus 15, but lower is better. I 
remember when I when I like streamed for forty five minutes on this podcast and there's a trade for Tyler Anderson Buddy, I can't remember every like, time you've like, screamed on this like podcast. Three, I've already blanked like, I've already like blocked out you know, most of your rant from twenty like, minutes ago. It was like three weeks before the deadline and the reason I was screaming for Tyler Anderson was You could get like an extra start or something. Yeah. No, they desperately he was the guy that was being moved well in advance of the deadline. Right, because you're supposed to go to Philly, and needed, that fell through. Yes, yeah. yes. And he was clearly out there for like a week before that, and this was in the Jared Eikhoff smarting period. So I was I screamed I believe you. consecutive podcasts that they needed to acquire Tyler Anderson. And part of it was because I thought Tyler Anderson was being used poorly by his uh, previous team, which has a long reputation for using pitchers extraordinarily poorly, but part of it was just out of the convenience of circumstance. But let's talk about let's talk about 2023 for a minute, because unless Uncle Stevie is running out a 380 million dollar payroll, <sighs> seems going to be a lot worse next year than it is now, unless they make some kind of major trades or major something. If they want to just run this second place team back, they're looking at like 370 or 380. Sure, everybody's a year older, too. And it's not yeah, a young yeah, team. Yeah. 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 But, look, 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 the long-term yeah, yeah. long good times should be coming for this team at some point. The point is probably... Not like we've been waiting a while, Jarrett. Yeah, the point is probably 24 or 25. Got all the time in the world. Yeah, so far. Yeah. Uh. But there will be plenty of time to talk about that in the offseason, Jarrett. For now, we have the playoffs to quote-unquote look forward to. We have an Andy Money interview to look forward to. And we'll see you soon for another edition of For All You Kids Out There. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.